Welcome to the Wrestling Headlines Monday Night Raw review. My name is Matt Mayer, aka Imp, and we are live here on YouTube and also available in podcast form. I've now got lights. We'll we'll see how well that goes. <laughs> and uh, also available in podcast form. Links in the description or head over to WrestlingHeadlines.net. Was Raw any better <laughs> this time? The middle of the show was tag heavy, but I found myself going. It doesn't feel the same this week though as in when you watch a Raw episode of Raw quite often you'll be just sat there like this feels like a waste of my time (laughs) this feels like the same show as it was last week I didn't get that feeling watching this one though like don't get me wrong I still found it a tad crap (laughs) not gonna lie but they bested their own low bar take from that what you will whether that is actually a positive or not (laughs) but that's how I that's my quick review for this week's show was it crap? yeah but not, not quite as crap. <laughs> it creates a bit of a Bernie... Um, I've forgotten his... No, not Bernie Sanders. Go play... Uh, Larry, Larry David, that's it. Uh, a bit of a Larry David. Who is it? Was it? It's crap. Yeah, it's, 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 it's not... It's not quite as... It's, it's, it's too bad. <laughs> but it's not... It's not... Uh, yeah, that's how I feel about this show. Larry David going, yeah, but it's still... Uh. <laughs> uh, I feel like I'm going to need my Lee Day mug. <laughs> this one. Mm. But this was the April 26th episode of Monday Night Raw and live from the Thunderdome, wherever it's located currently, who knows where that is. But people, if you pay attention to this crap. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we the main thing I want to talk about is Braun Strowman being added to the triple threat. Because, again, it's one of those episodes where not a lot happened. It just kind of ended. Oh, sorry, it just happened. And, by the, yeah, by the time it ended, it was like, it just ended. Yeah, that's the thing, wasn't it? It was on my telly. Cool. It's one of, again, it's one of those shows... But for me, it absolutely exemplifies you not to watch it. <laughs> for me, given this review, again, like just quick one-liners at the start, like yeah, don't have to watch this. <laughs> you lucky people out there who don't cover this show for a site. Trust me, you don't have to put yourself through this. <laughs> you you cannot watch it. It's fine. And yeah, this show again is kind of like that where again they beat their own low bar, but that's because. The kind of a lot of the segments in the middle for me carried on stuff without also doing a lot. It wasn't a memorable show. Not a lot of it, not a lot happened on this show. I found it very nothing. Like a lot of it doesn't matter, which is kind of compounding issues over time where they've conditioned me to like expect interferences, expect the actual match part of it to not really matter. And when you get to that part like now, yeah, it's it's like the pain, the consequences of that because I just don't care about anything on the show because I feel like it doesn't matter. I'm waiting for the interference. I'm waiting for the thing that actually happens because, you know, the thing that is, you know, just as good as winning <laughs> to take place. Um, it's like I've been conditioned to expect that now from Run a Night Raw. I'm specifically saying Run a Night Raw because, again, um, as somebody does do it for sight, obviously I do get a bit of, uh, I'll call it feedback. <laughs> just uh, it's like, oh, you're always crapping on WWE. Yeah. Technic- technically, yeah. <laughs> there we go, end of point. <laughs> Let's leave it there. No, I... I do... like. It's just raw. It's the point I'm trying to make here. Because I enjoy NXT. I'm enjoying SmackDown. 
Yeah, SmackDown has main roster tropes, but it's for me, it's a much, much better example of it. Like, their world hangs together, at the least. <laughs> it's not constantly just making me go question everything. Whilst with Raw, like, Raw's the anomaly here. It's not like, oh, SmackDown's anomaly because it's good. No, no, no. Raw's the anomaly in how bad it is. Like, no other wrestling show is this bad. And it's such a shame that it's still number one. In terms of quality, I feel like for WWE, SmackDown, for the past year, has really shifted to being their A show. But Raw still is the one that gets, like, the most viewers. They're the one... The things that in that's such a shame because it's such a bad show right now, and they've been on an absolutely god awful streak for the, like a for months. It feels like months, but it's probably only been like one or two, really. And like, I felt like going into WrestleMania might get better, but coming out of WrestleMania is like no, it's it's actually stayed the same, and that makes it feel that much worse. Well, which sucks. Uh, we'll get into the individual bits, so I get to explain my point at least over this. But would say, once again, Raw wasn't very good. I would not recommend you watch it. You can watch certain parts on YouTube, obviously. But I wouldn't recommend you watch this show. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I... Yeah, I understand... Yeah, I understand you enjoying certain parts. Because that's what I would say. I am able to find positives. So it's not the worst show they've ever done. There are certain things I'm enjoying, or I'm interested in where they're going. Therefore, it's not the worst thing they've ever produced, they've ever done. I'm able to get into... Certain matches, so it can't be the worst show they've ever made. But it's more of a compounding issues over the weeks, and you can pinpoint like positives out there, but it's not enough for the show overall. Because again, the point I'm making is: would you watch the show or would you watch segments on YouTube? If you go, oh well, oh, but this bit was good here, wasn't it? Yeah, that's not an argument for watching the show because <laughs> I can watch that on YouTube, which is my entire point. The show as a whole, as a whole product together just doesn't work, and it undermines itself at every turn. But it's like if you check out every other segment on whichever ones you're interested on YouTube, it works like it works quite well in that kind of format. But somebody has to review it. <laughs> I cannot call this show good. So let's talk about WrestleMania Backlash. I wanted to call it Fastlane so much because it's, it's a big pay-per-view. It's, it's, it's Fastlane to Money in the Bank. <laughs> so uh, the Raw April 26th episode kicked off with a banger. <laughs> the giggles in my voice, I meant everything. Mace and T-Bar voices Braun Strowman. So, pro, the masks are gone. We'll take the pro. The masks are indeed gone. For some reason, the stupid names remain. The retro, which the names which were given to them by Mustafa Ali so that they would know what it is like to be given like a crap name by WWE and forced to be a thing. Uh, they're now keeping the names Mace and T-Bar. Even though they've left Retribution, left the gimmick, gone to be their own thing. They're still Mason T-Bar. <laughs> and they're still wearing the face paint that they had on under those masks. Both things, extremely questionable. Again, again the other one, which is something that can easily be tweaked over time. Uh, again, just like little presentation changes. Names. I mean, if you have to stick with the names, you can at least change their appearances a bit more drastically. Like, face paint, gone. Just Especially from, I feel like, from Dijak. Jack's face paint goes, that's an absolutely massive change. But if, like, <laughs> I feel like the Madden look is his, like, Mesa's presentation. He looks great, I think, personally. I don't know if he needs to get rid of the face paint as much as Jack does, because Jesus Christ is T Bar. Like, even the name change, like, T Bar for me is infinitely worse than Mace. They're both crap. I, like, uh, Dia Madden and uh, Dijak are fine. Dijakovic, sorry. Uh, yeah, it's, it's fine. 
But yeah, Mason T. Bar, they it. So they kept the names. I guess in kayfabe you can explain that. The music is one as well. <laughs> like, that's the retribution music. But you've left retribution, so why have you got the retribution music? Just another thing as well. It's just a lot of things where they made minor changes, but they're there to get beaten by Drew McIntyre and Braun Strowman, and I guess now and Bobby Lashley, given what that they acted against Bobby Lashley this week. Like they're the they're the fodder for them to beat for WrestleMania Backlash. So as I'm watching this and making these minor changes, it's just like, yeah, but you're the filler villain just to carry us over because we got five weeks and they didn't think ahead. So the story's not strong enough to evolve and carry for five weeks because there is no story. And I mean, they got the end point, do the match. WrestleMania <laughs> backlash. But no idea how to get there. It's being made up week to week. So you bring in these villains, do these things, and it doesn't flow particularly well. I'll go through what happened first. So also their line delivery is just the same crappy, shouty names of animals we have been oh, it's just stupid <laughs> I've, I've done it over the top a little bit there uh, personally an entire presentation change just everything retribution just just leave it because it's just got that stink all over that if you keep the music if you keep the names if you keep the face paint it's way too much everything all three of those things need to go um, otherwise unless you want to keep them in crappy uh, I guess tag team land then just understand I'll never you'll never you really struggle to get reinvested because they're nothing characters they're nothing henchmen to be defeated. Anyway, this was meant to be a tag match with Drew and Strowman teaming up after last week where we got Strowman coming out. So last week, so for me to keep in mind, when I watch this show, you know, sometimes I'd like to try and follow the continuity because, you know, I'm often told, no, 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 the story's fine, it works, it makes sense. But let's follow the continuity then. So last week, Drew McIntyre came out to face, and he faced Mason T-Bar in a handicap match after getting Adam Pearce and Ura to make him do it. Then Ron Strowman came out and they had a tag team match and they got disqualified for beating up Dio Madden and Dijak too much. They just kicked their butt way too much. And yeah, McIntyre Strowman ended up winning. No more animosity on television. There was nothing. We come to this week and we're kicking off with that exact, exact same match for reasons. The reason is so... Oh, we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> so... Mason T-Bar come out, and Braun Strowman and Drew McIntyre in Gorilla. Braun Strowman gets shouty at him for some reason, and then he's like really amped, like I'm gonna show, I'm gonna do what you weren't able to do last week and beat them two on one. For some reason, he's really angry about that. We are not given that reason. It's just they they're just having an argument for some reason. And <laughs> um, the reason is so Braun Strowman can go out, get his ass kicked too much to cause a DQ. Then Drew McIntyre comes out. <laughs> So that they then do a tag match, which is the repeat of last week, but in reverse. But also they've found a way out of the tag match to then make the tag match. Because it was meant to be a tag match, but then it was a handicap match. So then when Drew McIntyre came out, we officially changed it to a tag match. Even though in my head I'm like, I mean, there's one quick workaround to make it feel slightly different. Is it was always a tag match. Then when Drew McIntyre comes out, he's part of the tag match. <laughs> he doesn't have to... Uh, they're trying to repeat what happened last week. It's just a carbon copy but flipped on its head. But the reason it doesn't really flow is that they it didn't they didn't set it up last week. It's why it kind of jumps out of nowhere. <laughs> yes, yeah, thank so. Uh, yeah, so this is why yeah the triple threat is really what it's building up to. So uh, yeah, so the tag match was official in the first place, but now it's official. <laughs> the match itself was fine uh, until we get to the uh, like countout ending. 
Like four big lads and their big lad wrestling. Dijak selling the future shock like a vertical boss. <laughs> that was a great sound. But yeah, big boys collide as Drew Drew's boat. The Drew boat shores on Vaughn's tracks. I don't know. I'm running with their comedy. <laughs> I've got nothing for that. Uh, like uh, here comes the train on the tracks. We're gonna need a bigger boat. Why is there what? <laughs> Just random references. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but now it was a fine tag match. Like Mason T Bar won via count out after like nonsense on the outside. Strowman with a power slam to the big Scott to set up the singles match later in the night. And hey. My one positive from this is at least they're not giving us tag team filler. Like, just tag team filler, like, week on week. And, like, we at least went to the Braun train, like, on a decent schedule. It didn't take ages to get to that point. Uh, but, yeah, it's, like, yeah. Later in the show, Braun demanded Adam Pearce make the main event an opportunity to turn the WrestleMania uh, Backlash title match into a triple threat were he to win. So, this is where we get in with the triple threat. Adam Pearce said, if Braun Strowman defeats Drew McIntyre, after Drew, like, after Braun Strowman kind of, like, demanded that become the thing, Adam Pearce said, okay, then fine, if you win, this will become a triple threat at WrestleMania Backlash. So, we then fast forward into the night, into the main event, where Drew McIntyre did indeed face Braun Strowman, and the big straw man brawned his way <laughs> into being the third wheel to take the pin at WrestleMania Backlash. What I mean by that is... It just screams that they um, they decided within this past week that they cannot... There's no like good way to finish WrestleMania Backlash because they don't want Drew taking the pin, but they want Bobby to remain champion. But what do you do there? And obviously to continue the feud as well. Because it's WWE, you face the same person for like three months or th three or four pay-per-views. And uh, yeah, it's the, it's the curse. <laughs> it's the curse. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, I don't, you don't need to do that. You can mix it up. Anyway... Because they've got to continue Lashley McIntyre somehow. So how do they get through WrestleMania Backlash where they've already confirmed Lashley McIntyre and they've now decided, they've <laughs> realised, again, if you think this through, but in the first place, this isn't a problem. It's not how they book. So they run into these issues where, well, now we've got a hindsight book and then find a way to fix it. Most of the time, my credit goes to WWE because they do find a decent way and when the match happens at the pay-per-view, more or less it's fine. But they keep... But they didn't do it again. <laughs> so they again do the same thing. And after a while, it's like, it starts to feel like nothing really matters. And you get the issue of plot point. You get points getting driven by plot rather than like points getting driven by character. So none of the characters feel real or alive. They feel like plot characters, as in they are specifically there to drive the plot forward. Like Mason T Bar. Like honestly, do you care about Mason T Bar at all? For me, they're just there to drive the uh, the plot forward of the triple threat at WrestleMania Backlash. <sighs> Which I'll get to in a second. So, so the arc itself over the course of this night did little for me. Uh, the consequences were there with if Vosherman um, were to win, he gets added to the triple threat. I kind of liked Bobby Lashley on ringside and commentary with MVP there as well, where they don't want Braun Strowman to win. In a really kind of interesting thing where Braun Strowman's starting to be put across a bit more kind of heelish in his demeanour and the way he's carrying himself. Like, the way his character was in the Shane McMahon feud has seemingly massively shifted. Now it's into this feud. Um, I guess it's, 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 a, it's a version of Strowman that has existed. It's not come out of nowhere, but it's not the most recent thing. Like, the growth he had in the Shane McMahon feud. Ah, it's, it's a little story now to the next story. I've often called it comic book 
writing <laughs> in a way like that one's done on to the next one using the same stock of Simpsons characters in a way uh, yeah anyway once again this is an example over the course of the show like the match itself had some great moments uh, for me Strowman reversing a charging Claymore into a powerbomb a, a, was fantastic a, a towering suplex that didn't break the ring looked great and like the tale of matches holding their own in spite of like for me mediocre creative direction it continued that like, this was like, remember what I've said about the past, like, three Raws, for example? I've enjoyed all three main events. So, again, they can't be the worst show in the world. Um, they're just, you know, you know, it's an overall run of sludge. <laughs> um, Mace and T-Bar, so this is where I kind of swing back in. Mace and T-Bar continue to be the McIntyre momentum deciders as Lashley and MVP work together to give Drew the advantage, the former retributioners costing the Scott for Braun to capitalise and this is kind of what I mean, where Mace and T-Bar are there as plot devices rather than characters. And where it ties in with MVP. So the, rest, the night after WrestleMania, they do the kind of hinting of the, of the wheel, of how the wheels are turning. MVP comes out, his music hits, he doesn't say anything, just stays on the stage. Then Mace and T-Bar attack Drew McIntyre. The next week, MVP's like, I don't have anything to do with that, I was just out on the stage. And they hint that MVP might have had something to do with it, but they don't outright say that MVP's refusing, uh, but T-Bar and Mace kind of benefit a bit from it. Then this week, Mace and T-Bar actively act against the wishes of MVP, which sounds, because it by helping Vosjoen to get into the match, which if you, I guess when you hear those points, it doesn't sound that bad, but in watching the show, in terms of like the demeanor of the characters of carriage were over with each other, in terms of um, the way they actually interacted in the show, like the, the things you'd get by what by visual storytelling, there was that it's like they didn't know where to go with it, and now Mason T Bar they've decided are not with MVP and Bobby Lashley, but no, neither of the weeks previous gave any hint like that. As in, there's no foreshadowing. There's no little putting things of, oh, you were able to tell if you spotted this and that. Because, no, there wasn't any of that. And that, that kind of... Yeah, it feels like them attacking Drew McIntyre is a plot device. Because they need a Braun Strowman to be added to the match. They can't have Drew McIntyre lose clean, so you've got to cause a distraction. Bobby Lashley can't be that distraction, because Bobby, or, or MVP, because they don't want Braun Strowman in the match. They don't want it to be. They want it to be a triple threat. So then you've got to bring in some outside character and thing. So that's where Mason T-Bar come in. But on this week, <laughs> this is all suddenly, this week they decided, well, no kidding, not with MVP and Bobby Lashley. And that's what this show screamed to me, was they were hinting slowly, and he just, uh, over the course of time, you probably get that reveal that, yeah, MVP was, like, you knew the whole time, of course he was, but he was refusing it, and that gave enough room for them to act. But here, like, no, they've decided now, which then means this episode, they just feel like, Plot devices? Because <laughs> they're not decided what they are until during the thing. Uh, yeah. Which means that the match itself at WrestleMania Backlash, I'm not that into. Because then Braun Strowman's involvement also feels like a plot device. Like, his point for being there is so that Bobby Lashley can, like, choke him out or uh, pin him or whatever. And Jim McIntyre gets to stay strong, gets to stay number one contender. And it feels like that's why Braun's there. And that's a little bit disappointing. Uh, yeah, like the match itself for me doesn't have much intrigue because I feel like I already know the gist of the finish. 
<laughs> it's just, it's, for me, it's more because it's like a paid by numbers thing. But they've decided this week that it's going to happen. It's like, ugh, yeah. It's that hindsight booking trying to find a way out of the thing. And they found the thing. They've now got two weeks to you know develop on this. So that they haven't, the past few weeks, haven't done a great job establishing that. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, I'll go over the rest of the show now. I don't want to spend too much time on this Raw, because again, it was yet another Raw I didn't enjoy. It's at the point now where Raw makes me question why I do any of the wrestling things, because it's generally just a really bad show. But then I watch the other shows, be it AW, be it New Japan. Uh, obviously, New Japan not putting anything on now because of the state of emergency in Japan, because of COVID. But with, yeah, so... Yeah, New Japan, a, 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 I can't I about to say New Japan again. <laughs> NXT, AEW, even SmackDown, Impact, because they had their big show over the weekend. Like, Roy's the outlier. I do enjoy wrestling. This is just a bad show. And I, again, we'll go over, over the course of the show, and that'll hopefully help explain it again. It's kind of why I do this every single week. You get to hear, like, the more intricate parts of me, just, rather than me just going, ugh, bad. It's like, no, I'll go into each segment. So, the Miz, Elias, and Jackson Viker with John Morrison versus New Day and Damian Priest. Uh, they deliver a hey, hey, ho, ho, unplugged with Elias on guitar. And um, I will say, it got a laugh out of me. An amazingly bad tune check. <laughs> it didn't make me laugh. Quickly descending into an all-over-the-place performance to bring out Priest, who uh, brings out New Day and an Xavier Woods with a suspiciously heavy guitar case. Again, I've enjoyed the New Day stuff. Um, even though I was, I was really down on the match itself being uh, the booking essentially was very similar feeling for like two for like three weeks in a row this week was uh, yeah actually yeah this week felt a bit different even though it's still the same characters all facing each other but you've at least mixed two storylines together so it feels a bit different uh, but yeah why is that guitar case so heavy because that performance was so rotten it's full of tomatoes as, I want to say Vink, <laughs> I've not learned his name, spurts out bleh Oscar lines. He's like, oh, come on, come on. Uh, the site did make a great, like, before commercial slow-mo when they came back. As uh, Morrison with a tomato right into the nads. <laughs> it was great seeing that in uh, slow motion. Uh, match itself was fine fun. Uh, the goodies more in tune as the baddies' uh, musical harmony worked a good foreshadowing. Is it, well, I say... Icky <laughs> musical harmony. Well, it's a good foreshadowing for their shoddy togetherness. Uh, it was taking some work over the match. Uh, Morrison's revenge, as he's the uh, momentum deciding factor from ringside. Vink <laughs> having to say, uh, like, Morrison using the tomato to his advantage. You have to admire the. I'm just like, oh, poor man. Like, now having to put over smushing a tomato out of face as some form of genius innovation. Uh, but yeah, as I was saying, over the course of the match, the uh, goodies were way more in tune than the baddies were, and that played out into the ending, and they won. A decent, fun match, in a way. Like, this isn't the feud which... It's, yes, Damien Priest kind of stuck against The Miz, even though they... It's one of the things where they run at WrestleMania, but they're going to continue the feud, because you feud with them for, again, two, three months. And... It's, yeah, it's not one of the worst one to be establishing against. Again, there's the Dolph Ziggler curse. You debut, you face Dolph Ziggler at the pay-per-view. Ooh, I haven't actually got anything for you now. <laughs> at least here, yeah, they seem like, hi, David Feast. Like, another one for me to tell is that they like they tweet David Feast's entrance a little bit, as in, they cared to do that. <laughs> so you kind of take that credit in a little bit more. 
for me, like, a care to attention to detail shows a lot. And that's what I've been, like, so down on the women's tag team stuff and that whole kind of area of the card that feels so meaningless because, like, the attention to detail is so not really there that I... That really that kind of reinforces the uh, okay. <laughs> anyway, so my prediction last week was Charlotte Flair would be on this show. I was a hundred percent correct. <laughs> they found a way to get Charlotte Flair in. I didn't actually mind it because uh, Sunday Deville was the, um, established over on SmackDown, and she we don't know why she's sneaking in Charlotte Flair, but she is, and that's fine. Obviously, like the the whole oh she's sneaking her in. And commentary going, oh, it's a bit fishy to me, Brian. Why did she sneak her in? And I'm like, I don't bloody know, because the whole production truck knew. <laughs> like, what's the what's the sneaky stuff here? Uh, how can you sneak somebody in, but then also have like the whole production thing all set up? <laughs> it's one of those things where it's fine until you think about it. It's like, oh, no, they had to coordinate all of that. Uh, Deville, now an official enough to sneak Charlotte in. She got the whole produced entrance, so... I'm sure somebody noticed a faint apology uh, with uh, took place with the referee himself there accepting, but Flair being like uppity heel, reversing his words to get him to apologise to her. Uh, it's like, yeah, oh yeah, great, great heel work there. Really made you want to like, oh Charlotte, you, um, yeah, she's great as a heel. <laughs> she's great in this character. Uh, yeah, there we go. Charlotte can do the wrestle again, and she does later in the night. Um, it's just the thing of, yeah, like come on, so after all that. After Sonny Deville uh, did the whole presentation of Charlotte, and uh, yeah, then she gets her match later. Sonny then sets up the match later, but after this bit, and the commentary kind of just trying to sell what we've just seen as they're exiting up the ramp, and they're just going, oh, I don't know, it seems fishy to me, Byron. I'm like, no shit. <laughs> it's like, oh, talk about talking dumb to your audience. Like, oh, I think something's up there. Yeah, you've visually told me that. <laughs> you don't need to. Word for word. It's, uh, again, it's... It's a misinterpretation that you need to explain to me so that every single person is on the same page. Um, for me, if you go to WWE, this is quite a lot where, again, it becomes kind of nothing. Where you, you essentially you cross the line and you're just talking dumb to your audience. And the only kind of reasonable responsibility is, I say so, so the, so the young ones can definitely follow it. It's like, yeah, that's fine, but... What is what's actually the case from uh, I say studies, but um, studies that I've come across myself is that it doesn't actually. Again, the studies are probably like eight, nine years old when I read them at uni, <laughs> but they like young children don't actually care. So, like, if you're dumbing down your story to make sure that the kids can follow it, the kids they don't actually care. Like, if, if the, the visual, the shiny. The uh, incredible production WWE has, the matches themselves, the characters, like, they'll, they'll, they'll be taken away by all of that. They will not care about the story. And uh, that's that, that's kind of what, and that's kind of what I've taken with me into, like, reviewing this stuff. It's just like, yeah, if you're simplifying it and, like, hitting it over the head just to make sure everybody's following it, you're essentially talking dumb to the audience. And there is a way to do it. But something like this is not it. <laughs> it's just, when you have visually told it us, you don't then need to have any dialogue. But again, that is over-scripting everything, because that means that it's a benefit AEW has, where the commentator's reaction, sometimes it's going to be a bit... Uh, but you know, it's more in vain of that is a reaction to what they've seen, and they're trying to sell it to us. They know all that stuff, but they've got their own notes, but it's not word-for-word -word scripted. For this, 
it happens sometimes in movies where they haven't done that well with the adaption to screen, really. It, you're talking lower level stuff. But it's when the, you have a shot, especially in TV, where it's like murder of the week stuff, where you hear the line of dialogue, but you've visually told it us, and then you say the line of dialogue. That's because it was in the script, but when they were there on location or whatever, they found a way to show it and tell you that. So you've visually seen it, so you know the story beat. So that's what's kind of happened here with the whole Charlotte Sonia thing, where in the script, it's to make sure that you definitely know, but they found a way to visually, visually tell you that. So it's like they're trying to explain the visual, which was extremely blatant, which is then, it translates talking down to the audience. Which again is kind of why you plan things out. That you can see, that you'll see that. But of course, I'm dreaming of a world where you would have enough time to storyboard a shot, which very clearly WWE right now doesn't happen. <laughs> my case in point is where the Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke kind of push on Naya like if you storyboard that you know you're gonna, which problem is going to come across you don't you try it on the fly essentially maybe you rehearse it once or twice yeah it, it, I wouldn't say because it, it doesn't look unrehearsed because everybody's hitting their beats delivering their lines moving at points and things no to wait for a cue to move out the way to part so the camera can go through the middle but if you storyboard that oh it's it's basic stuff <laughs> Uh, but it's because it's rushed. There's no, like again, if you know where you're going in weeks prior, you have time to sort out this stuff. But they don't, and this is the these are the consequences for it. Uh, right, <laughs> production moan over. <laughs> I can't say that when I've I'm 100. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> I've spent ages on the lights because they're brand new, and I yeah didn't. It's, I have done that actually. Actually, this is a fantastic example of what kind of what I'm talking about. Uh, I completely forgot I had these lights. <laughs> they arrived. And then I just forgot about them, brought in my normal setup, and then I remembered like within like I think I had twenty minutes before I was live, like, oh crap, yeah. So this is rushed <laughs> this setup. And I know if I do like this, my arm is like shadowing on the wall. Just I just didn't have time to, but that's the kind of thing that happens when you like don't do it early enough and plan to do it ahead. I'm not on national television. <laughs> so it's not quite the same. But I felt like actually yeah, it's quite a good example. There are errors because it's been rushed. So yeah, I'm about to see on the video where there is a shadow. There is a shadow, thank God. <laughs> Point would have just been not proven at all. Uh, anyway, so moving on. Sheamus' fighting champion open challenge. A uh, little thing I'm enjoying. Personally, would have quite liked a different opponent this week for then on Bertha to come back next week. But again, that's you thinking forward, which again, they're booking it week to week. <laughs> so, I mean, that's even me booking it week to week. That's me reacting to last week. It's like, yeah, but I'm booking next week as well. Yeah. Anyway, I still love the twist that the title just flat out isn't on the line. Seamus Moore is there for a fight, and if you get through that initial fight, and maybe you get a match, or you can do what Humberto did. <laughs> so Humberto comes out again uh, as the bell didn't ring last week. This time, he was the one keeping Seamus out from the ring. A twist that I really liked him showing, like he knew what was going to happen this time, and he took the fight to Seamus, and he showed him up. I really like that idea. But if he's coming out to answer the challenge, but yeah, the bell never rang again. But this time, Carrillo was the one to walk out. So immediately, I'm just like, I mean, like, solid follow-up aside. Like, there's the question of why would our hero not then wrestle the match? <laughs> because it's just as good as beating them. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's, for me, that's another example. The actual wrestling thing itself... Like, the matches on the show... It was something where, um, a, when AEW first started, they were saying, we're going to make sure that their matches matter. Right now, comparing Raw to AEW specifically, I 100% see that. Like, on AEW, it does feel like 
the match that you are seeing in front of you, like the result of that match, the way that match goes, it feels like in their world it matters. I'm not me. I'm not saying that that means it matters to you. Like if you don't like AW, what I mean is in their world it matters. And there's a reason I keep repeating. Oh, it's just as good as beating them in WWE. <laughs> well, I say WWE. Let me first about on Monday Night Raw because again, I didn't make the establishment. NXT SmackDown perfectly fine with. It. These are all Raw problems. How are they the same company? <laughs> But they, that yeah, on the night raw, it feels like yeah the the match part doesn't matter. Yeah, like it's just as good to embarrass Nia Jax as it is to win. It's just as good for Humberto Carrillo to show Sheamus up, then leave when he could have had a match. He's <laughs> angered Sheamus. It's like yeah, it's a really it's a weird one. It's multiple times over raw. You see so many. Yeah, again, I feel like it really hit during Charlotte Flair's match. So, I am just waiting for the screw finish. I'm waiting for the interference. I'm waiting for the reason this match is happening. Okay, I'm, I'm waiting for the real thing here. The real thing that actually matters, which isn't this match. And for me, that's what AW have absolutely nailed me not having that feeling whilst I'm watching their matches. And I don't think it's any more complex than that. Really? I've because I feel like it's been one of the debates of, I guess, when AEW has launched, like, what do they mean by that? Or they're just like a WWE guy, not, not much that different. But for me, that's like a really core thing. And when you watch Raw, it's all over the place. The matches themselves, more across the show, there are multiple matches that don't matter. Because they're either there to get interfered, or they're there for uh, like something like this, or for the match to never happen <laughs> send a message which is just as good as winning which then meant that winning didn't matter which meant that the match didn't matter because <laughs> uh, it's all like driving the plot points forward but it's all like plot devices which again if you book forward a little bit more you're not going to have these issues where you then having to have a match to push the plot forward every week uh, yeah anyway there is there are exemptions to that and I feel like Randy Orton is the biggest exception to that and I don't know if he's got any creative sway or... It feels like, because apparently when he was hyped to face Braun Strowman last week and he steady... Or the week of, uh, after WrestleMania, whichever it was, when he faced Matt Riddle. And then he... In, you know, sorry, when he meant to face Braun Strowman, then he faced Matt Riddle. And apparently Randy was like, no, I don't want to face Strowman. I'll do feud with him. Uh, and hence why Strowman's then been added to this. But yeah, his uh, feud with Riddle, for me, it feels like there's a direction to it. And when he watched SmackDown... That is something, that's a feeling you get with almost every segment. And I don't know if part of it is the two hours. Whereas, oh, we've got to fill, fill it with something, yeah, but... What? <laughs> the three hours is a bit... Like, right now, it feels like that's a massive detriment to the show because you're... To fill the time you put in these segments, I don't care about. So you've got time filler in there. Like, oh, okay, fine. Yeah, I, wouldn't, I would say after WrestleMania, they've been a bit better with it. But, yeah. Uh, yes, anyway, I was on a different, different point where I realised I've got the rest of the show to go through. <laughs> uh, I, I am using this to kind of back up my opening point to the show. Yeah, but yes, yes, yes. I've given myself notes, but let's not expand on these notes too much. Uh, anyway, so Ripley, then after the shame stuff, had another wooden interview. Again, another con, a quick con for me to address. And this one is one of those that get addressed all over the place. Uh, people going into way more detail than I'm going to go here so I can move on, but... Yeah, Ripley, with another one in interview, which is not her fault, square peg, round hole. And a nothing script, really. Like a generic script where it's I'm gonna be the i I'm gonna be the champion while she's the she can do what she wants, but I'm the champion. And off she goes like 
any other champion from any time. We could have said that. <laughs> any Raw champion over the past whatever, a few years could have said that. But absolutely nothing character unique in that at all. And that was over. That was a massive criticism I had over, I want to say it was like 2018, 19, one of those years. Maybe even 17. <laughs> I can't remember. Where you were getting promos across Raw. Uh, I guess on SmackDown as well. That could have been delivered by anybody. There's no character in them. This was another one. But it's, if everyone's got to deliver something like the same script of promos in the same kind of way, they can ch- they personally change their kind of delivery, but the scripting of it is incredibly similar. It's like, and the production of it is similar. It's like, uh, like why are you doing that? <laughs> we saw it at WrestleMania, how talented these people are when you just let them be them, or at least try and give their version of them. And yeah, they knocked it out of the park at WrestleMania. But this is how it's done. And for me, it's an absolutely massive con and a major advantage to AEW. Because they don't do that. Their people feel way more, like, relatable because they're not... You don't get promos like this. Or if they're not as good at giving the promos, they then aren't forced, like Ricochet, to deliver like they are... Try and deliver it like they are anyway. (laughs) Square peg, round hole. Uh, It's been a thing for years. This isn't a this-specific-era issue. Uh, and anyway, it's just more apparent, especially when there are other... There's now AEW not doing it, so I get to see it, how I thought it would be good, and it, I personally rate it incredibly higher. Uh, anyway, WWE champion Bobby Lashley then made his way out. Honestly, him not being on the show next last week, for me, actually helped. It felt like a bigger deal when he was on now. Like, And if I was him, I'd also go, nah, nah I'm not appearing on this crap. <laughs> like, every other week. <laughs> it just sounds like, yeah, no, no, yeah. Like a great promo here on respect on how much he received from the live fans when making Drew pass out at WrestleMania to WrestleMania Backlash and the disrespect in making the title match a triple threat without consulting the champion. Really like their point there. And like later in the show, MVP confronted the Strowman, relaying Lashley's message to an ear that didn't want to hear it. And that then led to the main event. I was like, yeah, I thought that was a great promo. I thought everything Lashley and MVP did was driven by character. It's like, wow, amazing. <laughs> where there's segments across this show where it's just like plot point things. And I feel like, unfortunately, Strowman, McIntyre, everyone else in this, I feel like it's driven by plot point. But because Lashley and MVP are kind of disconnected from it, and they're not really influencing it at all, like what they do is driven by character. Because they're kind of on the side. And that's benefiting them so much as I lose kind of investment in all of the other characters here. <laughs> Lashley and MVP, they get a major boost from not being involved in the main story because they are like the effect, they're the kind of the goal to get to at the end rather than the story itself with McIntyre, Strober and T-Bar Mace. We'll see what it's like next week, especially if we get McIntyre in a handicap match again for like the fourth week in a row <laughs> with the handicap. But like if that, unless it's the Bobby, Bobby Lashley team with them. But maybe it'll be Strowman Lashley as well to sell that angle of this match, which, again, we've only seen Strowman and McIntyre. Uh, maybe get to see a bit of a difference next week. We'll see. We'll see. But, yeah, Lashley MVP. The, for me, the, there were two character highlights on this show, and that was, yeah, that was the first one. The second one is, I think, coming up right now, because it's Matt Riddle and Randy Orton. And for me, the character beat I love with Randy Orton during all of this. So Riddle interviewed 
scooting round in circles, <laughs> living his lines, before stopping. He's like, why have you stopped there? Oh, it's so Randy Orton can enter frame. <laughs> so in comes Randy Orton, and he's, uh, the bit that got me, I was like, I don't know what planet you're from. I'm from Earth. Like, riddle mate, <laughs> you got to stop getting me like this. <laughs> when I'm not that big on your character, but every other week, he generally gets a laugh out of me. <laughs> just the, uh, I don't know what planet you're from. I'm from Earth. <laughs> it's just the, uh, and you can tell that the way that Riddle stares at him afterwards, he's trying to crack him up, and Orton doesn't have any of it. Uh, personally, personally, I, I think that works really well. Th that way that he interacts with the others in the world, I personally like that. Uh, anyway, uh, Orton decided to give RK Bro a go, and that was the next match. Uh, Paul Benjamin and Alexander used as the father to get this bit over, but yeah, I'm enjoying RK Bro so far. This is week two of them interacting, and it feels like one of the strongest things on the show especially because there's like not made there's not many kind of like not major implications coming off of it but it's uh it's interesting characters coming together it's an interesting character clash and they're kind of putting that across that is that's the thing that's driving this is character oh the two things i've praised <laughs> our new team like working relatively well together especially in the end as randy went on a tear okay owing a springboardy alexander which looked great a rope draped DDT as Riddle shouted for the tag and follow up with a floating bro. The entire time commentary hammering home like the we were, what we were indeed expecting. Us just all sitting there waiting for the RKO. Which in a pleasant surprise never came. Oh, a, a character moment. <laughs> as in the plot point of this, like the end point of this wasn't a plot point but more of a character beat a character driven plot point in a way it's like oh it's just leaps and bounds <laughs> over so much else on the show including this next segment uh, but uh, yeah the character stuff like for me if it's driven by character I'm going to care because maybe care about the characters but if it's driven by uh, the plot is to do this and that like the main event for me is falling into a ditch which absolutely sucks but the, uh, like, it's randomly middle of the card, getting Randy Orton and Matt Riddle, and it's purely driven by character. All, thought, all the thumbs in the world. <laughs> anyway, uh, the opposite of that, Askelaro Naomi versus Ray Ripley, Nia Jax, and Shayna Baszler. Uh, I will say, teams of three in tag action going into matches of three at the pay-per-view with both their top singles titles in the women's and the men's, both triple threats. Uh, this match, unfortunately, involving the women's tag scene. <laughs> That's been slowly spinning into nowhere. Uh, that continued this week. Once again, Rose and Brooke came out to cause a distraction, launching a bucket of, wa uh, of water <laughs> at Shayna after Nia smacked the two of them earlier with flowers, shouting, put these in water! <laughs> Which again, got reaction out of me. Uh, yeah, but then Jax then slipped in said water as overly comedic as possible. Hilarity ensued. Mm. At least, like, in terms of making Kev's look a bit stupid. Manny Rose and Dana Brooke came out, chucked the water at Nia Jax, like, ah, we got them, leave. And it's like, ah, we got you, we got you, we've made we've made our point once again. Once again, we are the winners. But then Nia Jax gets back in and scores the win, so it didn't affect anything. <laughs> it's like, all the points they're making are complete, like, they have no bearing on, match, on like, the matches. <laughs> so, again, in the background, it's, again, it just makes me realise, like, the, like the heroes are telling us the, the results don't matter these points we're making are just as good as winning 
then why the F do I, am I watching any of these matches? Like, are they not then a waste of time? Uh, uh, so, yeah. Uh, Ripley won the baddies the match, uh, but uh, Nia got the final spotlight, hitting the leg drop. Uh, I guess to give her some serious baddie like momentum after the comedy. So, yeah. Like I was saying, the match itself, I was zoning out a tad, but the match didn't match itself didn't feel nearly as pointless as the past few weeks. Uh, or get I don't know, like five or six weeks. So again, it wasn't as low as the low bar they've set, but it was still crap. <laughs> so yeah, again. The big thing here, why do Rose and Book not... Why are they happy with just tricking the water and Naya? And the whole point is, oh, embarrassing her is just as good as getting results. Why do I care about the results then? Yeah, it's a middle-of-the-card thing, which I feel like I really... Out of all the things to break me, <laughs> why is it this division which the show seems to be repeatedly telling me doesn't really matter? In the grand scheme of things, this doesn't really matter. But it's like, in, for me, it entails a bigger kind of philosophy across the show that making story plot points and beats is more important than the matches themselves. But in a world where you're trying to convince me that the matches matter, that's, you gotta, gotta do better than that. <laughs> After the break, Sonia told off Mandy and Dana for, yeah, yeah, it made sense. <laughs> As an official, she then picked Mandy to be Charlotte's opponent up next. Before that, though, we got Alexa Bliss. Story time with Lily. Again, again actually, no, this is... I said there were only two things, but I completely forgot about this in the notes. For me, this is a positive, because these are essentially, like, hype videos. They're just her giving a kind of... Like, developing her character, getting her ready to then, I guess, re-debut as a singles competitor in the women's division. That's where I'm assuming this is all going. Who knows what's going to happen to Bray? I think this is a great distraction for you just to forget about Bray. So whenever he comes back as, or whenever he comes back, what capacity he comes back, like, you're more focusing on what the hell's going on with Bliss. I feel like it does work well enough. But yeah, a story, an extra place story time with Lily. The look into my eyes, look into my eyes, look into my eyes and you're in. <laughs> Just a little Britain reference for God. That's, that show's nearly 20 years old. Anyway, <laughs> going for a jump scare with peaceful lilies on the water and blah. But uh, uh, no. I was like, and it's basically, oh, did I get you? Like, no, they didn't get me. <laughs> but... I was writing notes though, so I was only paying. I was paying like some attention. I was making sure I was following what was going on, but I'm not glued to what is. I'm not going. I'm not in with the Lily thing, as in as as it's as it's showing the calming thing. It's calming you down, ready for Lily to go Blair. I'm writing peaceful lilies on the water, <laughs> so I'm not. I'm not actually watching it because I'm writing that it's happening. <laughs> so I've got a slight disconnect there. Um, but yeah, I just assumed that it was a dialed, like a dulled jump scare, like a dialed down one. Like, for the, like if all you're going to be watching, it makes sense to dull down the jump scare. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's fine. Anyway, the, the character beat was giving off for me is fine. Uh, don't blame her for what happens next. Lily told her to do it. Uh, yeah, these are decent hype stuff. Hype interviews, hype, promo, hype packages, whatever you call them. They're decent enough. Uh, yeah, and I, I, can't, I don't know if I would call them like like a main point on the show, like a main character beat in a story, because she's not in a story really right now. She's more like these are hype videos establishing a character, which for me is really, really needed, and it's great to see this level of stuff for one of the characters. Yeah, even though it's like it screams again from week to week, there is no kind of it's the same problem they had with the feud between the fiend and Orton, where there is no long term plan. 
They're kind of just doing stuff, and it's it got with the, when they were doing that with the blip, all three of them there. It was getting scarily close to none of it mattering, just because they're just doing stuff, and there is no rhyme or reason kind of to it or the ending. That's my main issue with the women's tag scene. There is no end point. There is no direction or thing they are building to. It's just happening. Endlessly spinning into nowhere. <laughs> Which is like, oh, that that sucks. Uh, but something that, some character that clearly does have direction, Charlotte Flair. Uh, she got a match with Mandy Rose. Rose with a, I guess, a wee stronger showing against the main women's ace in the Queen. Uh, watching this, like again, this is the match where I realise how much WWE have conditioned me to just be waiting for the interference, screw finish, DQ, what have you. Uh, quickly building, this match beat itself though, instead, it quickly built Charlotte becoming infuriated with the referee once more, shouting at him uh, to do his job properly. I was like, okay, so this is the reason the match exists. Now Charlotte Flair either gets rolled up or she does something again, because again, the, the reason for this match to happen is the Charlotte Flair beat. It's not for the actual match itself. Ah, I was actually pleasantly surprised. <laughs> My negativity from earlier stuff in the show... I then I, I then got put into a positive because they didn't do that. It's like, oh, he didn't go to that low bar. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, this time, Flair managed to nail the natural selection as WWE caught me pleasantly cheer that there was a straight up finish to this one, and that kind of and the beat afterwards of Charlotte Flair being a dick to the referee, making him pull the rope down, whatever, laughing at him. Uh, this was like him, her like, again. Felt like the end point was her. It wasn't the fact she won. It's the fact that she got to humiliate the referee. But I feel like the, the fact there was a clean result means that it feels like it matters way much more. Like it wasn't a screw finish. She actually beat her opponent. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> That's what I mean by... This, if you, there are individual things on the show which are good, and that's what I meant by this was... It didn't feel like it was as crap. This was the best crap Raw <laughs> that WWE have put out in a while. It's still crap, but it didn't feel as bad. I get, on Twitter, the phrase that I used was that out of all the out-of-date food, this one just it went down a bit better. And that's the best metaphor I could come up with. <laughs> still no, not something recommended. I'm not going to recommend you do it <laughs> or watch it or whatever, but like, it, it was a bit easier to digest. So, yeah. I feel like a lot of that was the mid-card. There's stuff in there, again, like pros like Alexa Bliss, like the Bobby Lashley promo, like uh, RK Bro, uh, Charlotte Flair's character beats I didn't actually mind. Uh, it, again, obviously, it's like, well, why, why do you even do these suspension storylines <laughs> when they never go to anything? Uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, yeah, again, Raw's still in the sludge. It is by far the worst wrestling show on. When I say on today, what I mean is on like mainstream TV of the lot, of, especially the American lot. It's by far the worst show. And I'd, I'd put Impact above it just because they've got character consistency. And Raw doesn't have that. And uh, when there were sparks of character, that was when this show was at its best. Bobby Lashley's promo, RK Bro, I guess Alexa Bliss's hype video, but that's a hype video, so that they're really... They, they involve character like, kind of naturally. And I guess the Charlotte Flair stuff as well. Even though the presentation... And that's the other thing as well. Even if something is... Uh, relatively strong. There's normally something about the production of it which puts me off. More often than not, it'll be like the script the commentators have got to sell the thing is just way too much on the nose that it erases all subtlety or anything. And it's just kind of like you're having the story told at you rather than you kind of watching it unfold. 
So, yeah. It's a yes. It's so many cons about Monday Night Raw, but there are positives. There are positives there. And that's, I think, that's kind of what hurts the most. <laughs> then you watch SmackDown and you see how is this the same company? It's insane. Anyway, so yes, another negative review of Monday Night Raw, but there were positives in there. I've managed to find <laughs> a way to positively end the review, and I've kept it under an hour in spite of my ramblings. I'm so proud of that. <laughs> anyway, what did you make of Monday Night Raw? Are you still as down as it as I am? Uh, does Strowman, does the tri- triple threat at WrestleMania Backlash, does that do anything for you? Or does it do absolutely nothing at all? Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at the damn implicat the damn damn. You can, uh, I've been streaming on Twitch pretty regularly uh, on British summertime though. Uh, so that's the implications that's there as well as also the Wrestling Headlines website, Russell Headlines on Twitter. That's Wrestle without an E and Wrestling Headlines on Facebook. I keep plugging how great the followings become on Facebook. And go to the yeah, go to Wrestling Headlines for your latest wrestling news and whatnot. Anyway, I will be back tomorrow with the NXT review. And um, I'll be honest, like in terms of like. My actual wrestling fatigue, I, I was like, yes, it's been so much better for me to actually get to recover. That said, when it gets to the weekend, I want absolutely nothing to do with wrestling. Like, AEW is the last show I watch, and I end it on a high. I, um, I struggle to motivate myself to watch NXT, but that's just because I'm entering the show having watched... Like, I, I don't enjoy watching Raw. I, like, I... I enjoy talking about it. <laughs> I, I yeah, enjoy the discourse around it, but actually watching the show, it's a it's a bad show. I'm watching a bad TV show. It's not good. <laughs> um, and then I have to kind of force myself to watch NXT because I'm not feeling good about wrestling so far. Like every Tuesday so far, this new schedule, I've not wanted to watch wrestling because Raw's, Raw's hurt me that much. <laughs> but yeah, then, then I'm excited to watch AEW because NXT normally is on a strong run. And But then I have no energy for SmackDown, even though it's apparently WWE's strongest show. And from what I've seen like, from the snippets and everything, it, I tend to agree, really. And when I have watched SmackDown, it's been an easy show to watch. It's been enjoyable. Segments had direction. Didn't feel like I was watching pointless filler or anything like I am with, with Raw. It's like, yeah. But I have no energy for SmackDown. Yeah, I'll find out a way. Hopefully, as my life kind of calms down a bit in this, uh, as COVID kind of relaxes a lot, I'll be able to cover SmackDown. But as of now, enjoy me in my new room with my lights. <laughs> anyway, I'll be back tomorrow for the NXT review, and as I promoted last week, I will be joined by James Boyd of One Nation Radio to uh, go through NXT. So with that. Thank you for watching, liking, subscribing, engaging, any form, any manner, five-star reviewing, whatever you did. Thank you so, so much. And with that, I bid with you, adios. Ten.